morning we're midway through a series looking at reflections from the book of Nehemiah. If you're just joining us today for the first time or if you've missed previous parts in this series, can I say it's a series? This week will make greater sense in the light of previous weeks and so on, but I'd say particularly so of today because so far we've looked at reflecting on Nehemiah, we've looked at a vision to rebuild, a vision to restore, a vision to remain, and today we're going to look at a vision to repent. I have to say this is an interesting one to look at, but we are people of the cross. This is profoundly true, but it's also profoundly hard sometimes for culture to grasp it that way. The very thing that is central to our faith is therefore the very thing that is often misunderstood by the world. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says it this way. It says, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know it is the very power of God. God's way of thinking is not like the world's way of thinking. And God offers eternal life, which the world can never give. And we can spend our lives accumulating wisdom and yet never learn how to gain or how to have a personal relationship with God. We must come before the crucified crucified and risen Christ to receive eternal life and the joy of a personal relationship with our Saviour. Philippians 3.17 says it like this, Dear brothers and sisters, pattern your lives after mine. Paul says, pattern your lives after mine and learn from those who follow our example. For I have told you often before, and I say it again with tears in my eyes, that there are many whose conduct shows that they are really enemies of the cross of Christ. They are headed for destruction. Their God is their appetite, and they brag about shameful things, and they think often only about this life here on earth. But we are citizens of heaven where the Lord Jesus Christ lives, and we eagerly await for him to return as our saviour. He will take our weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own, using the same power with which he will bring everything under his control. The message of the cross is foolishness to those that are headed for destruction, that those who have been saved know it is the very power of God. How do we access the power of God through the presence of God. How do we access the presence of God? Well, through repentance that leads us to freedom in worship. You know, I've often read and considered the reflections of George Eldon Ladd. You may have heard of him, you may not have, but he had a significant impact on the formation of the the vineyard's understanding of the kingdom of God, particularly in the early days. And his um, writings and teaching had... Um, really shaped the, the formation of that. But just to say, I want to say this, that we, we eat the meat, but we spit out the bones. You know, surely we'd say that of, of everything. Please, please do that with me. You know, I'm, I'm doing my best to be faithful to the life and the teaching of Jesus, but I'm not Jesus. Of course, I will make mistakes and see things from a, from a human point of view. And I'd say the same of George Eldon Ladd, but we can take the meat, but certainly spit out the bones but um anyway he said many things and one of them really struck me he said that as we encounter god as we have a power encounter with god two things quite clearly happen firstly we have an awareness of our sin and a desire to do something about it i.e we repent and secondly 
that that causes us, that experiences then causes us to overcome our scepticism and our fear. And I would add that overcoming scepticism and fear leads us into greater greater revelation of God um, and his authority to carry out the mission and mandate that he has for us and that frees us to worship him. Now, let me just give you an example, okay? So Jesus performs a miracle and Simon Peter sees it. We read it in Luke Luke chapter 5, verse 8. It says this, When Simon Peter realised what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. For he was awestruck by the number of fish that they'd caught, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on you will fish for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. As we encounter God, we see it in that passage, we have an awareness of sin. Simon Peter sees the miracle. When Simon Peter realised what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus. Revelation that leads to repentance. He says, oh, please leave me. I'm too much of a sinner to be around you. It's a natural response to revelation for he was awestruck by the number of fish that they'd caught as were others around him. As we see the holiness of God, we see our humanness and we see something in ourselves that causes us to say, oh, This needs dealing with. I see my sin. I see my humanness. I want to repent of it, turn from it and respond to the revelation that I'm seeing. See, revelation leads to response, but the response should then lead us to action. It's not just a repenting. It's a repenting that frees us to then go and do something. See, Jesus doesn't just call us out of something. He calls us into something. Proclamation leads to demonstration. As the gospel, as the good news of Jesus is shared and proclaimed, we should then be freed and liberated to do something about it, not just for ourselves, but for the sake of others. See, Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. As soon as they landed, they left everything and followed him. They did something about it. You'll be fishers for people. He calls them into something and then they did something about it. They left everything and followed him. Now, how does all of that that I've just shared link to, to, to Nehemiah? Well, before we get there, let me just take one step further and say this. This, this has to change me. It, I'm, not, I'm not just sharing words. This has to change us. Hebrews 4 verse 12. For the word of God is alive and powerful. It's sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword. Cut in between soul and spirit. Between joint and marrow. And it exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. Psalm 119 verse 103. How sweet your words taste to me. Sweeter than honey. Your commandments give me understanding. No wonder I hate every false way of life. This journey of revelation, this pursuit of Jesus for us together as a church has to change us. It has to change me. This has to be a a living and a breathing thing. This series, looking at Nehemiah, has undone me. Revelation brings response and the response is repentance and repentance leads us into action because it leads us into greater freedom with greater purpose to worship God and to carry out his purposes. Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. You see, there's a purpose. 
there's a there's a driving point there's a bullseye there's a target as soon as they landed they left everything and followed Jesus complete and utter abandon to the plans and the purposes of God less of me more of you Lord less of me Lord more of you I want to become less that you would become more I'm going to get all of my stuff out of the way all of my pains insecurities hang-ups obsessions frustrations whatever it is all of it out of the way in a nutshell and I don't mean this irreverently it's just the language that I would use to describe it I've been absolutely shabbered by this you know the journey we're on together has absolutely undone me before the Lord this is discipleship it's the ongoing process of change and transformation that we would see more of Jesus and become more like him so how does all of that link with Nehemiah? Well, it doesn't. No, it does. Of course it does. I'm kidding. But the overall theme of Nehemiah that I think we can take and apply would be this, that those that love God and his kingdom, they will study the Bible and they will pray and they will do everything they can to advance the gospel and seeking to gather others to do the same. Today, I just want to look specifically at a vision to repent because repentance in, is, is in response to revelation and that response leads us to repentance that leads us to greater revelation. The message of the cross is foolishness to those that headed for destruction, but we who are being saved know that it is the very power of God. That repentance releases power and it's at the cross that we find resurrection, life and power. I once heard it said before that if we don't fall face down before the cross, it's because we've never really seen it. Let me just read Nehemiah. We're going to look at chapter 9 predominantly today. But it says this, verse 1. On October the 31st, the people assembled again. And this time they fasted and dressed in burlap and sprinkled dust on their heads. Those of Israelite descent separated themselves from all the foreigners as they confessed their sins and the sins of their ancestors. They remained standing in the place for three hours while the book of the law of God, the Lord their God, was read aloud to them. Then for three more hours they confessed their sins and worshipped the Lord their God. Are you ever surprised? by accumulation. I, I am so often, you know, when I stick one plate on the side in our house, I turn my back and I look again and there's just a mountain of dishes that are going to take me a decade to wash up. You know, I think I've shared this before, but I seem to spend my life emptying the bins in our, in our house. Once I've gone around the house and I've emptied all of them and I've sorted them into the various piles of recycling and I seem to have to do it every couple of days. And then there's this pile of stuff at the back door that I'm going to take to the wheelie bin, but it's so large. Sometimes I feel like it almost warrants a trip to the local civic amenity site rather than the wheelie bin. And then accumulation, I see it. I'm a, I'm a prolifer, sorry, prolific um, person for sticking something in the garage that I will tidy away at a later date or a more convenient time, only to be confronted quite regularly with an inability to get into our garage because I've put so many things in that one day I'm going to sort you out pile that I can barely get into the garage. So often things just accumulate. There's just stuff, and I'm like, gosh, where's where? How's this happened? Where's all this come from? Well, Nehemiah chapter nine is an accumulation moment. 
God's people are back in the land and they're going to rehearse the, the accumulation of their sins and they return to God and to God's mercy to bring that to bear on their sins. Today I just want to think, I, I think we would do well to consider our accumulation moments. Where are things piling up? The lessons that really we can learn from the journey of Nehemiah is that we should be people that get on our knees before God. Not just for ourselves, but yes, for ourselves, but not just for ourselves, but for the church, for this, for this city, for this nation. You know, I'm never really going to have time this morning to do justice to what's going on in Nehemiah 9. But let, let's just let's just have a quick look. God reveals his nature in verse five. It says this. They called out to the people, stand up and praise the Lord your God, for he lives from everlasting to everlasting. Then they prayed, may your glorious name be praised. May it be exalted above all blessing and praise. They've just spent time confessing their sins. Confession frees us from what binds us and leads us into the freedom to worship God. If we want to worship God with greater freedom, we need to remove and confess the obstacles in our lives. Then it goes on and he proclaims his uniqueness. Verse 6, you alone are the Lord. You made the skies and the heavens and the stars. You made the earth and the seas and everything in them. See, when we confess and we repent, it gives us freedom to see the revelation of God. It leads us into a greater understanding and the fullness of who he is. He displays his, his power. That's what we see in part of verse 6. It says, you preserve them all, the angels of heaven worship you it becomes a an expansive thing where we see it in greater fullness he shows them that he keeps his promises verse 7 and 8 you the lord god whom chose adam and brought him from ur of the can shantines and renamed him abraham sorry abraham yeah abraham when he had proved himself faithful you made a covenant with him to give him and his descendants the land of the canaanites the hittites the amorites the parasites the jebusites and the girishites and you have done what you promised for you are always true to your word don't you love that all of that remembering, but he's always true to his word. He reminds us of, of his promises. As we step into repentance, we start to worship him. We see a greater thing, but it also reminds us of what could be because we remember the promises of God. It goes on verse 9 to 12. His love starts to manifest. It says this, you saw the misery of our ancestors in Egypt and you heard their cries from beside the Red Sea you displayed miraculous signs and wonders against Pharaoh his officials and all his people for you knew how arrogantly they were treating our ancestors you have a glorious reputation that has never been forgotten you divided the sea from your people so they could walk through on dry land and and then you hurled their enemies into the depths of the sea. They sank like stones beneath the mighty waters. You led our ancestors by a pillar of cloud during the day and a pillar of fire at night so that they could find their way. Phenomenal. He then unfolds his will. 
as we go into the next place we see we start to see the purposes of god as we step into a place of of repentance that leads to worship that it starts to just become a reality verse 13 and 15 you came down at mount sinai and you spoke to them from heaven you gave them revelation uh, sorry regulations and instructions that were just and decrees and the commands that were good you instructed them concerning your holy sabbath and you commanded them through moses your servant to obey all your commands decrees and instructions repentance causes to obedience it goes on you gave them bread from heaven they were when they were hungry and water from the rock when they were thirsty you commanded them to go and take possession of the land you had sworn to give them he demonstrates his mercy we see the mercy of god in this chapter verse 16 to 18 but our ancestors were proud and stubborn and they paid no attention to your commands. They refused to obey and did not remember the miracles you had done for them. Instead, they became stubborn and appointed a leader to take them back to their slavery in Egypt. Gosh, how sometimes we do that. Rather than step forward in all he has, we step back into what was, thinking that would be better. Anyway, it goes on. But you are a God of forgiveness, gracious and merciful, slow to become angry and rich in unfailing love. You did not abandon them, even when they made an idol shaped like a calf and said, this is your God who you brought out of Egypt. They committed terrible blasphemies. He goes on, verse 19 to 25, we see the the generosity of God it says this but in your great mercy you did not abandon them to die in the wilderness the pillar of cloud still led them forward by day and the pillar of fire showed them the way through the night you sent your good spirit to instruct them and you did not stop giving them manna from heaven or water for their thirst for 40 years you sustained them in the wilderness and they lacked nothing phenomenal few words in that verse there they lacked nothing their clothes did not wear out and their feet did not swell then you helped our ancestors conquer kingdoms and nations and you place your people in every corner of the land they took over the land of king shion and heshbon and the land of uh, king og and of bashan and you made their descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and you brought them into the land that you had promised to their ancestors. They went in and took possession of the land. You subdued whole nations before them. Even the Canaanites who inhabited the land were powerless. Your people could deal with these nations and their kings as they pleased. Our ancestors captured fortified cities and fertile land they took our houses full of good things with cisterns already dug and vineyards and olive groves and fruit trees in abundance so they ate until they were full they grew fat and enjoyed themselves in all of your blessings he goes on and he shows remarkable patience Verse 26 to 31, but despite all this, they were disobedient and rebelled against you. They turned their backs on your law. They killed your prophets who warned them to return to you and they committed terrible blasphemies. So you handed them over to their enemies who made them suffer. But in their time of trouble, they cried out to you and you heard them from heaven in your great mercy. You sent them liberators who rescued them from their enemies. But as soon as they were at peace, your people again 
committed evil in your sight and were once more you let their enemies conquer them yet whenever your people turned and cried to you again for help yet whenever your people turned and cried again to you for help you listened once more from heaven in your wonderful mercy you rescued them many times you warned them to return to your law but they became proud and obstinate and, and disobeyed your commands. They did not follow your regulations by which people will find life if only they obey. We find life if only we obey. They stubbornly turned their backs on you and refused to listen. In your love, you were patient with them for many years. You sent your spirit who warned them through the prophets, but they still wouldn't listen. So once again... You allowed the peoples of the land to conquer them. But in your great mercy, you did not destroy them completely or abandon them for, forever. What a gracious and merciful God you are. Verse 32 to 37, he proves again his faithfulness. And now our God, the great and the mighty, the awesome God, who keeps his covenant of unfailing love, do not let all the hardships we have suffered seem insignificant to you. Great trouble has come upon us and upon our kings and leaders and priests and prophets and ancestors, all of your people from the days when King Azura first triumphed over us until now. Every time you punish us, Punished us, you were just, we have sinned greatly, and you gave us only what we deserved. Our kings, leaders, priests and ancestors did not obey your law or listen to the warnings in the commands and laws. Even while they had their own kingdoms, they did not serve you, though you showered your goodness on them. You gave them a large fertile land, but they refused to turn from their wickedness. So to now, today, we are slaves in the land of plenty that you gave our ancestors for their enjoyment. We are slaves here in this good land. The lush produce of this land piles up in the hands of the kings whom you have set over us because of our sins. They have power over us and our livestock and we serve them at their pleasure and we are in great misery. Well done for sticking with me. I know the passage is long, but I think it's important that we read it because this is a people that are weighed down by the guilt and the torment of their sinful record across centuries. And yet they can still revel in the goodness of God because of his mercy and our ability to come before him, repent and turn and come into a place of freedom. The prayer exalts the God who through and across the centuries has done so much for them. What mattered most was that they emerged from this prayer with an enlarged vision of God. And honestly, it's the same for us. Would it be that we'd fall on our knees before him with an enlarged vision of who he is and what he wants to do? As we come to the cross in repentance, it reveals more of the face of Jesus. We overcome scepticism and fear and we step into all that he has for us. You know, we need the same expansiveness of thought as we consider all the Lord has said to us and all the Lord has done for us, but also all the Lord has for us. Sometimes I think we become content with uh, with a narrow and restricted concept of God. And yet the journey we are on to love God and love this city should and will 
change us. You know, we need the poor as much as they need us. And as we posture our hearts to the things of God, his heart will change our heart. And as we fall into repentance, we'll fall into greater relationship with him. A bigger vision of the Lord's greatness and sufficiency will affect us and change us in so many ways. But let me just name a few. It will challenge our irreverence. You remember Simon Peter, away from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. You know, the Israelites had begun to take for granted and foolishly began to take for granted God. And they imagined that they could live as they liked. They were morally selfish and spiritually careless. And as they prayed and humbled themselves before the Lord, they become increasingly convinced of the holiness and the righteousness of God. It's not only going to change our irreverence, but it will banish our despondency. As the Israelite worshippers became increasingly aware of their sin and the sins of their forefathers, their sense of failure was crippling and demoralising. They'd lost opportunities to demonstrate their love and the holiness and the commitment that God had for them and had for his people. And what emerges from this chapter really is that if we come in repentance before God, we find a merciful God longing to free us, liberate us and send us into all that he has for us. A God who bestows and restores and releases us and then places a power upon us. Not only will it challenge and change our irreverence and banish our despondency, but it will help overcome our inadequacy. You know, when we become aware of our sin in the face of Jesus, we overcome scepticism and fear. It's what we start to overcome as we repent and we turn. The vision of God in this prayer reminds them that God can change the outcome of even the most hardest, most impossible situation. You know, have, have we forgotten that? I feel we need a, a reminder of that because what he does is he delights in taking weak and vulnerable people and providing them with the necessary resources for living. And that's where we see kingdom breaking and kingdom breakthrough and expansion. It, it, it's, what it, it's what he does. It's who he is. I, I, I repent of my making God my size so that I can handle and I can understand it. You know, this really, I believe, starts with us on our knees. What we have and what we find in Nehemiah 9 is a micro-summary of the storyline of the Old Testament. The passage is full of phrases and parts of stories from earlier parts of the Bible. This passage should lead us to our knees in repentance because it's a, a passage of a prayer calling for a renewing of a commitment. I rehearse all the good things that God has done for me that he's preserved my life, that he's clothed me, that he's provided for me, that he gives me an opportunity to know him, to walk with him and to live in the fullness of a relationship with him. And I repent of anything and everything that's hindered or limited or restricted or diluted what that could be. And I want to come afresh into a place where I'm like, Lord, I want to, I, I can see you because I've repented of the restriction. Now I can see and worship you. Now call me into your plans and purposes. Not my plans and purposes that are small and limited, but all that you have and all that you are. We who are being saved to us, the cross is the very power of God. As we prepare and prepare, as we remove the accumulation that holds us back, as we repent of it, 
he allows us to start to see what could be and where he could take us. I hope that's helpful as we reflect on that briefly this morning. But let's, let's just have a time of ministry. And just create some space for the Spirit of God to fall upon you afresh this morning. I, I believe we're a people that should be on our knees this morning, if I'm honest. We want to repent. We want to turn. We want to repent where our vision, our understanding is too small. You know, one of the things I've repented of recently is as we learn from the journey of Nehemiah, what God does is he He didn't just use people that followed God. He called all people into the story of God. Whatever they did with that was down to them. You know, I believe what the Lord is doing among us at 422 and in our hearts for the city is it doesn't have to be just raising and releasing followers of Jesus. Of course, I believe that. I long for that. Jesus is the way, the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father except through him. But what about if he's calling all people unto himself? We don't want to restrict this to being a church thing. We don't want to restrict this to just what we can foresee or might want to or think we could control. This, this is way bigger than us. What he wants to do in this city and this place. The people he wants to call into partnership where we can breathe life and speak truth and stand alongside them and allow them to experience something of the ability to step into the compassionate heart and the resources of God is way bigger than us. I repent of my small-minded thinking. I repent that sometimes I could be caused to think that we can do this in our strength or we, we can control or contain this within the, the confines of a church. No way I repent of that. I want bigger than that. I want the reign and the rule of God. I want the kingdom of God. Not our kingdom, his kingdom. What, what, what is it this morning that you've got to repent of? Your own sins, the sins of our forefathers, the generational stuff that has gone before us in the city, that the Lord is breaking our hearts. Turn again to him. Come to him. Come back to him. Whatever it is, what, the thing that is restricted and re defined you of your past, be on our knees this morning and say, Lord, break it off me. The oppression, the negativity, the restriction, the things of your childhood, the burden, whatever it is, look, release it this morning to the Lord afresh. Let him give you a greater revelation and draw you into the worship of God. You know, for some of you, I just have this sense that um, it's like people, this is, might be something you want to repent of, that people have to win you over. For you to believe in them or trust them or to relate to them. I, I don't want to be that person. You don't have to win me over. My heart is for you because I love you because Jesus is in you. Always calling you towards him. We love this sitting in this place. People don't have to win us over. That's just one, one example of something I think some of you might feel you want to repent of this morning. That there's almost an arrogance there. But was it? I think the Lord will be speaking and laying things on your heart right now because he calls us back to him in repentance. I almost don't want to put too many words in your head, but the, the, the confession of our sins is crucial to the people that we are. It's the power of God among us. The life and resurrection life that flows from the cross. Let it come upon us this morning. Lord, open our hearts, open our minds, open what, is, what has been dead in our lives. 
and breathe life into it. Freedom. Set the captives free this morning, Lord. I believe there's a there's a number of you now. He's stirring powerfully upon you. Powerfully, as I've reflected on this week, I've found myself multiple times on my knees weeping before the Lord. Let it come. Let it come. Let his power and authority, let his presence come upon you. I pray that you would have a revelation afresh of the face of Jesus this morning. Not just his hand. Not just what he, you might want him to do to you, but his face. Seek him because he's worthy of your worship and your praise. And let everything that might have limited or held that back be removed from you. The Spirit of God fall on as your people. The Lord will want to do many, many other things, I believe. So we'll just leave you now with some time of gentle music playing as he, as he ministers to us. But God bless you as you step into this more fully.